Hey everyone, it's me, Molly Huddleston, your host of Generation TC. Thanks everyone for your continued support of the show. Like I keep saying, it's been a lot of fun interacting and engaging with everyone online. So if you like what you hear, please make sure to keep up with us on social media at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate, leave a review, and of course, share it with a friend. If you want to help me keep the show going, you can also choose to support the show on Anchor, and that helps me do things like print stickers and just make sure I can have the right equipment, software, etc. to make the show the best that it can be. And now on to our episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the Generation GC podcast. My name is Molly. I am your host. I am here today with Casey Crawford from the band Virginity. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that last week we talked about Shadow Boxer from Generation RX. Today we're here talking about Screamer from Good Charlotte's self-titled album. Next week we'll be back with a song from The Young and the Hopeless. Casey, hello. What up? What up? Casey, I'm <laughs> super stoked to be doing this. So for everyone listening, we're recording this on April 21st. Virginity has just announced that they've signed today. You guys announced yes. that you signed to Wiretap Records and that you are going to be releasing a new EP, Death to the Party, on June 5th. So everyone listening, uh, go check that out because by the time you're listening to this, the EP will basically be out there. Yes, you got two days to wait if you're listening to this day of. Yeah. Uh, and if not, you've already heard one of the songs, probably, or you can go hear one of them because the first single will come out. And I can say this. I'm not supposed to say it yet, but because yeah. time travel, yes, I can say it here. <laughs> um, the first single uh, called Bad Call will be out on May 8th. Sweet. Sweet. Awesome. So, yeah, so we are talking today about Screamer from Good Charlotte's self-titled album, their debut album. If you had the original version of the album before the click was included on it, Screamer would have been track 12. But if you had the version, once they added the click, it was track 13, which just as a side note, like I always found that funny because I feel like usually when you get an album reissue or like bonus edition that has extra tracks, like usually I feel like they'd put them at the end. But yeah, right in the right, not in the middle, but <laughs> right, just kind of towards the end. Yeah, I interesting. Mean, it, it, it's like if you listen to how the album flows, like change. Because I was just listening to the full album today, like change with change and thank you, mom, that they end with are very like slow kind of songs. So it's like I get why they might not want to put the like. I I do get why they might not want to put the click like. After at the very end yeah right well because it, the thing about it is and i know we're talking about screamer yeah. but i'm i'm just trying to imagine a world <laughs> in which because i did not know that about it yeah um i'm trying to imagine a world in where that album exists and the click isn't on it because the click is a bop right and <laughs> i mean we could you know i have an episode scheduled uh to record about the click at some time in the near or distant future and yeah there's there's lots to talk about with that and like if you go on spotify right now the click is not on the album on spotify um oh, what 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> That's yeah. so insane. So weird. But yeah, so we're talking about Screamer, which is kind of a deep cut. Not a single. Yeah. They haven't played it live really since they were touring off the first record. Uh, I found a video of them playing it at the Metro Cafe in Washington, D.C. in 1999. And this was uploaded to the Madden YouTube, like their management YouTube in 2016, like to kind of promote that fall tour they were doing around Youth Authority. But like, I, I mean, I guess that must have been, you know, Benji or Joel just kind of had that video and they kept it. Yeah, I've actually, like, uh, I've se- well, I've seen them play it live. Oh, really? Because I'm very, uh, I, well, I'm very old. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not very old. I'm 32. Okay. So I, I saw Good Charlotte um, at the Warp Tour in the summer of 2001. Oh, wow. And this was the only thing out. So it's not like they had like a lot of things to pull from to fill a 30-minute set. I mean, the album's not much longer than 30 minutes. Um, and I, I am positive they played Screamer. Right. Yeah. I mean, they so they, they toured, I guess, like in the touring off the first record, they probably would have played it then. So it was like all the touring off that record. But it seems like once they got the Young and the Hopeless came out, they kind of dropped it out of the rotation and like never really edit it back yeah which i can totally understand as a person that writes songs like if i had more to choose from i probably and i know i picked screamer but i can absolutely see dropping it (laughs) sure yeah so we'll come back to that question because i think that's that's a question i would like to come back to but i want to know you know why you wanted to talk about this song uh for everyone listening so i connected with casey i guess it probably would have been last month in march uh so if you're listening a few months ago in march um my friend scott fuger hosts a podcast fly on the call and i think he interviewed you for the alternative and i was just like texting with him telling him about this podcast that like i don't think i had even officially launched yet and scott tells me like oh i think casey from virginity really likes that first good charlotte record uh and when i emailed you casey like by the time i could even like text scott to be like oh hey thank you for you know telling me to reach out to casey you replied like super quickly telling me you wanted to talk about screamer so why did you want to talk about this song in particular um yeah great question so like you sent that email and when I initially responded, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about it because I want to talk about something off the first record because yeah. that's the one that I, that's the one that I love. And honestly, it's really the only one I know really super well. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I really love like, uh, I love bands first albums because they're the most them. Okay. Like, there's no, I don't know, like, I've even felt this in myself as, you know, we're getting ready to put out a new EP and while I was writing it and while we were recording it and now we're working on our second LP and I'm writing it and and we're recording it. Uh, We're like pre-production right now doing demos because of COVID. We're doing them from our own separate houses, (laughs) which has been a really interesting test of collaboration. Uh, And it's making for some really weird stuff too. (laughs) Um, But like, 
when we made with time our first thing and i feel this is probably the same for for most bands no one knew we existed it was made completely in a vacuum and i assumed you know not that it's like a, a massive hit or anything but way more people have listened to it than I ever. I was just like, yeah, probably 12 of my friends and that's it. Right. 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 <laughs> like if, and I w- we weren't even a band really like I was doing stand up comedy and then like we, it just sort of like spiraled into this. I thought this was kind of just like a fun little thing to do. Yeah. So for anyone that is listening, could you give an overview? So I, I was listening to a podcast you had done. Uh, I think it was, I don't want to hear it. And yeah you mentioned on that podcast that like you had played music in the past, but you hadn't played a show in like a decade or something. You played a cover set and then this kind of happened. So was there anything that like specifically sparked the start of virginity? Um, yeah. I mean, it was a mixture of all of those things. Like I was, doing stand I've been doing stand up for like 5 right. years and I was just feeling real real stagnant with it like and like I had gotten to the point where <clears throat> I I had kind of topped out I kind of reached the ceiling of mm-hmm. the things I can do here in Florida like I was doing all the shows like I was you know doing the improv intermittently but I could show up to any like indie show or whatever and I could just get time so that in the life of a comedian that is the point you know, you start in your hometown and then you right. move to New, to New York or LA. Right. And, you know, but I can't do that. Um, yeah. Or I wasn't prepared to <laughs> anyway. So I was just feeling like, well, you know, I've hit the, I've hit the ceiling. There's no, can I swear? Yes, you can swear. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I hit the ceiling and I don't know where to go from here. And then that cover show got kind of offered to us or I knew the dude that was running it and me and my friend Jim who's in the band he plays drums and he mm. kind of he makes <laughs> if you like virginity it's because Jim is in the band like I hand him these like three quarters written on acoustic uh emo folk diddlies <laughs> and then he turn he turns them into good songs so he's the he's the like arrangement yeah he helps with arrangement and dynamic okay like I write the lyrics, I write the melody and I'll put most of it together. And then he's just like, like, he'll be like, this is great. This is great. This fucking sucks. Let's make this better. <laughs> like, <laughs> you kind of need that though. Like that person, I mean, I mean, as nice as it is to, you know, feel like people like think every word that comes out of your mouth is, you know, total genius. I think you kind of need that person to, that's willing to say, okay, this sucks. Don't yeah, and me and Jim have that sort of relationship where we are very, and it's get, and like it's gotten to the point where it's we're, I don't, I've never been like this creatively open and collaborative with anybody in my life. Like it feels mm-hmm. like a like a really different relationship than anyone I've ever had because like we will instantly be like this is incredible and we both are knowing it and feeling it. But if something isn't hitting, like I'll just be like, I fucking hate this. And he'll yeah. be like, yeah, it is bad. You <laughs> blew it on this one. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So, like, we made With Time in a Vacuum. And it's, like, really, you know, pretty open and honest. It's very open and honest, yeah. 
and uh, there was no guard and there's no guard because I didn't think anybody would hear it. And I feel like yeah. that is how everybody's kind of first record is. It's just like, yeah. it's all, it's all you, you have, you have assumed no one will listen to it. And in that way, you're completely free of expectation of anything. And right. I think that's why I really like good Charlotte's first album. And it's, and it's so, it's so cheesy and like dumb and they're doing uh, fucking like chicka chicka and shit like yeah. it's i mean it is it is cringeworthy and embarrassing but it's also so in in their lives at that moment they were just like yo i'm gonna do like fucking fake beatbox and shit and they're like that's right. so dope <laughs> right right <laughs> well i i think and i feel like what you said about just kind of making it in a vacuum in a sense yeah i think that's a great point um they they might not have been willing to i i don't know i mean definitely on you know later records they played around with what kind of sound they went for but it, sure i mean know. there's always experimentation but i'm there's so many like kind of embarrassing things that they are doing on this record oh yeah and i feel i feel like it and and a lot of them don't return and i feel like that's yeah. because they were just hanging out with their you know I mean, it's two brothers who yeah. they're not ashamed to do anything in front of each other. Probably. Right. Two, not just two brothers, <laughs> two identical twins. <laughs> yeah. Like, so they've been, they've grown up being treated like the same person. So there's zero shame between those two. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then they're probably lifelong buddies. Like they just weren't embarrassed to do some of these things. And I think that's what makes it so fucking endearing. And yeah. Good. And Screamer is a kind of a, great encapsulation of that because it's also like this such like a teenage notion of like not being heard yeah. as if it matters if you're fucking heard well it's 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 like so let's yeah let's talk about what i mean what the song what the lyrics are about i mean like you said i think it's about not being heard not being understood and i i think it's like partially it's feeling like you're this big dreamer that is not totally there yet, but you're, you're, you know, you have these dreams, like you're going after them. You just don't feel understood. Um, and as well, just in general, I think feeling like you have a lot to say, trying to say it and just being so fed up that like nobody is listening. Um, I think it is, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think a very teenage thing, but I feel like you have to keep, I mean, if you're doing anything, I mean, that's a necessary part of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like feeling as a teenager that you're not heard. Literally everyone feels yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and to say it so openly and blatantly, like any teen, you know, te- teenage kids listening to this, which I was. Yeah. You know, I was 13 or 14 when this came out. So like, I was just like, fuck yeah, dude. Right. I'm a dreamer too. And no right. one believes me. <laughs> right. I, I would have been, so I, the young and the hopeless was the first record that I heard when I was 11. And then I think I was, I had just turned 12 and I found out that this record existed and yeah, I was like, fuck, this is like revolutionary. This is, this is so, this is so great. Like this is me. This is, how I feel. Uh, and I, I wrote down, so, you know, like we were saying before, they haven't played this song in about 20 years, but 
earlier in April, Benji and Joel had done this acoustic live stream on Veeps, which is this like platform that they created for fans to connect with bands. And Benji here, I'll, I'll read what Benji said. I had written out. He said, I think when you're younger, you're sort of a little kid. It's a lot easier to be vulnerable. And then I think when you get out into the world, you can tend to shy away a little bit because you get hit a few times by critics or haters or whatever. And the little kid in you kind of shies away a little bit. And I think that that makes the first record a very pure one. Yeah, that's, that's more, that's so much better and succinctly put than exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. Though. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think, I don't know. Do you think it's growing up and in the way that everyone does that can make people like withdraw? Or do you think it's, specifically being you know a band that is in the public eye in such a big way and that receives like feedback from the public i don't know and i wonder about that all the time or like i don't know i kind of hate um <laughs> this sounds psychotic but <laughs> i tell my wife all this all the time and i've and i've thought it my whole life so like i they the the people in good charlotte they're obviously creative people and and beyond a creative person like to them obviously it's not enough to make a neat fucking scrapbook or something and be like ah i have created you need other people's approval and opinions (laughs) um and i am the same way and anybody that's in a band i mean i'm not in a band but like i i need the same you know doing doing this podcast and all my writing like yeah i want other people to to like it totally and and i guess there's probably some amount of that even in things that aren't necessarily creative like if you were i don't know a fucking athlete or something yeah totally so i guess there's probably some amount of this in in everybody in some sort of way but it just seems like such a a blatant open way to do it as like a a musician or something like you're really just being like these are my feelings yeah oh god you better like them i'll fucking kill myself you know i i so i was thinking because like when i was i am not i would not say i am a musician but i own a guitar and you know have written songs in quotation marks and you know have written very angry and very sad poems over the years when i've you know had the need to do so um hell yeah (laughs) and i'm like especially listening to this song really brought me back to being like 13 and writing for the first time and like i kind of miss in a way that feeling of being so unfiltered because now so i put out a book at the end of last year uh called i told i told you i hated new york and it's like an anthology of poems and essays and such so a lot of like really personal stuff but cool yeah so even as i was putting that together i was like you know as open as i am with this there was a lot of like okay, shit, you know, is what I'm saying conveying my emotions correctly? Ooh, do I really want to put this out there? Mm, Maybe I should remove that paragraph. And I kind of miss that being just so young and fresh and feeling like, okay, I can just like, you know, spew whatever is on my brain 
onto the page. Stream of consciousness. Let it flow. Sure. Uh, which I get. Yeah. I guess I just wish. If, I guess if I got to pick, which I can't, unfortunately, yeah. I probably wouldn't have picked to be like this. Pick to be like um, what? To be a, a creative person. I, yeah. I probably, like, I wish I could have, I don't know, been fucking good at math, gone and been an yeah. accountant and had that be a thing yeah. that could feel, feel fulfilling to me. Yeah. And it's not, and, and I, I wish it was constantly because as fun as yeah. doing the creative stuff is, it's also, I'm always, <laughs> I am down a lot. Yeah. Well, do you, so I, I will say I definitely relate to that a lot. I, so I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet, but for anyone listening, I went to college initially for engineering and pre-med and changed my major a few times and ended up working full time in the music industry. But obviously it was a lot of, you know, stress trying to figure that out and what exactly I was going to be doing, um, why why do you why does it get you down because i will say i can definitely relate to that but i i would be curious to know like what the feeling comes um, for you. i guess it's like um why does it get me down that's such a good question <laughs> <laughs> um I, I, like it's because have you ever do you, are you familiar with bo burnham slightly like i know who he is but i haven't like watch any of this okay. stuff so on his last special uh, this kind of uh, okay <laughs> i went and saw him do this last tour that he did which very well could be his last tour he he's ever done there was a real sense of finality to oh, wow. it and like his shows act as a narrative it's not like any sort of traditional stand-up there it's not even really stand-up it's a one-man show that is funny okay but so <clears throat> And he's been open in interviews and stuff and talked about how, like, he, <clears throat> even on the night of them shooting this last special, he was having a fucking panic attack. And he wow. was just like, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, but so <laughs> the, the show ends with him um, <clears throat> doing this thing where he was making fun of, of Kanye West. Okay. Uh, and the thing that Kanye did on the Jesus tour at the end where he would sort of, um, there was just sort of like a backing track, like an organ, and there was auto-tune over his voice, and he would just sort of stream, and, stream of consciousness rant about random stuff. <laughs> and so Bo did this, but it, but it wasn't stream. It was very, very much written, but it right. seemed like stream of consciousness stuff. And at first he's talking about funny, like goofy little things and it's very silly and funny but then it takes this very like sincere serious turn where he's just like i can't i want to say these things that i have that i feel i have yeah. to say because that's how it fulfills me and i have a deep need for it to fulfill you too but yeah. i don't want to care but i don't want to care about what you think either mm -hmm. and i like you're my biggest you're, you're the you the audience you're the thing i'm most in love with and you're the thing i fear the most and like Ugh. and it was just like a such yeah. a oh, when i saw when i saw it live i was sobbing oh my god yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i've never like I, I feel a little like i'm a little glassy i just talking about it right now yeah. every time i watch it it makes me cry yeah um it's like the most 
like I've never felt seen <laughs> more <laughs> than than that and like and I'm not even close to like having like an an audience like he does I can't even imagine like the sort of pressure he must feel and then to also have it be a thing that you feel like you need yeah um it's like yeah it was like such a and it's oh man it's I I suggest like you can look this up on YouTube like okay. this clip of it but it's from his last special make happy I feel every everybody that does some creative work should watch this because it it'll fucking yeah. move you and like he does something he's talking about going to Moe's <laughs> it's so stupid he's talking about going to Moe's and like getting a burrito and it's funny the way he's talking about it he's talking about how they put too much shit on his burrito and it like fell apart but, like, and it's silly and it's and it's funny but then he comes back to it after he gets serious and it's the most profoundly sad thing I've ever oh fucking God. seen okay <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll watch that and I'll, I'll link the video uh, in the show notes. So when people are listening, they can uh, find the video easily. Yeah, it, it's like there's this interesting juxtaposition, I think, between like you want to create because you have this like burning fire inside of you that is like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And you want that validation, but you also want to just, say whatever you have to say without people liking it and it's like okay what do you like what yeah. do you what do you create what like do you, you want them to have an opinion on it but you don't want that opinion to be a bad opinion right like and right. i guess that's why i picked screamer because as dumb as it is and it is dumb yeah it's also i feel kind of deeply about that like feeling like i <laughs> i know i have something to say that's worth hearing yeah and people won't hear me like there's that sort of fucking desperation <laughs> um which like even cheesy as it is now and is like you know i'm in my 30s so my yeah. feelings about that are a little bit more tempered there is still a part of me that does kind of still identify with the fucking stupidity yeah. of screamer yeah well i think yeah i mean i'm i'm 28 so i i also but i i you know, I, I've worked full time in music for a couple of years now, but I am constantly thinking like, okay, what's, what's next? Like, what's next? What's next? You know, like, okay, I put out a book. What's next? What's next? What's next? You know? And that, that is kind of what it feels like. And it also yeah. like, and then as, <laughs> as things progress, um, the momentum that you have doesn't feel as great as maybe you think like for instance signing to wiretap yeah a a 16 year old me (laughs) knowing that i'm signed to a legitimate label with bands i like on it yeah like i i would be doing fucking backflips but for now for this like when we got the deal and stuff like i was stoked totally but i wasn't like it just felt like the next thing that should be right. happening. Well, and it, I'm wondering where it goes from there. Like, right. It's never enough. I mean, even like I watched Taylor Swift's documentary, Miss Americana, and mm-hmm. even Taylor Swift would talked about in this documentary, like there was a lot of that what next kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. That's, I guess that's maybe one of the most upsetting things or the things that yeah. like keeps me, it gets me down. It's just like, 
well, it is making progress and it's still, I still am right. feeling like it, uh, that I want whatever's next, whatever, whatever's after this, maybe well, that'll make me happy, but it doesn't. I just want the thing past that. Right. And I feel like it's kind of like, you know, when you're younger, it's like you have this idea and it seems like the most incredible thing in the world, but it, it's really far away. And that's kind of almost what makes it so exciting. And I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's still exciting. You know, it's still exciting to do those things you've always dreamed of. I mean, like I got to go on warp tour. I worked a whole summer on warp tour a few years ago, 2016. And it was, it was insane. It was awesome. It was so great. I have no regrets about doing that. Like, I'm so glad I did. I have so many great memories, but it was definitely also like for so long I had been like, I want to work on Warp Tour. I want to get on Warp Tour. I want to get on Warp Tour that I kind of like forgot to figure out like, okay, and then what will I do after Warp Tour? Totally. So I noted recently, Casey, like a few days ago, you tweeted about Reliant K. So did you get to see them when they toured with Good Charlotte in 2005? I did not, although I have seen Reliant K many times. They're one of my all-time favorite bands and one of the first bands that I like when I first started getting into like punk stuff pop punk music and stuff they were like I was really super Christian <clears throat> okay so this was like one of the things I was like allowed to really like <laughs> and like my, like my family would be like oh yeah now this is a good band <laughs> now this is music they don't uh, cuss like Blink-182 I mean I mean Benji and Joel Madden are christians but could charlotte oh, dude, is- I, rem- I remember sh- i remember showing my mother the liner notes of the first good charlotte welcome or album when they're in the liner notes benji and joel are both like uh, my lord and savior jesus christ yeah. and i was just like yo they said lord they, See? Didn't say God. See? they said lord and savior <laughs> jesus christ that means they're legit i showed my mom I was like hey these boys these 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 uh, punk boys are christian and she was like so, oh that's great so she gave mom gave a thumbs up <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, but I did not see them in 2000, in 2005. I didn't even know uh, Good Charlotte went on tour with Reliant K. That's an interesting Yeah, thing. so it was the Noise to the World tour, Good Charlotte, Simple Plan, and then Reliant K opened. Um, and I went to that tour in Philadelphia, but my I was late. <laughs> like my uh-huh. I say I was late like my dad you know made me go to this you know I don't know it was like a high school orientation or something um my dad that was driving me and my friend because <laughs> <laughs> I was like 13 uh so we missed Reliant K Reliant K set so I still have never seen Reliant K oh man I went and saw Reliant K it was um okay <laughs> well my first concert was seeing britney spears at the ocean center here in daytona beach oh on God, her very yes. first tour <laughs> um i'm so glad that that's become cool because oh yeah there was a lot of my life where i was just like i'm not fucking oh, telling anybody this yeah <laughs> but yeah first tour lfo open um, oh my god lfo <laughs> <laughs> uh so hit me baby one more time was at its fucking peak and that's like all she had out at that point i remember she played crazy she was like this is a new song this song isn't out yet oh wow uh, <laughs> and uh but anyways my my next concert the very next thing i went to of course christian based was mm-hmm. 
the OC Supertones uh, Christian Ska Band, and the opener was Reliant K, and that was their first tour. Wow. I have an autographed picture of Reliant K Is from Reliant that tour. Is Reliant K still touring? They are still touring a little bit. I know okay. that... Matt Thiessen is doing, he does like a lot of production shit because he's such an incredible, like Brian Wilson level of hearing harmonies. Okay. Like companies will hire him to be like, just come in and guide our singer through this. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, And he, and you know, and he fucking rocks. Uh, So they still do some stuff from time to time. They've had many lineup changes, but Matt Thiessen and Matt Hoops are still, it's kind of just them now. Okay. Um, but yeah, their last album was not uh, nothing to fucking write home about. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, boy, oh boy, I, I fucking love like it. Awesome. Um, I also wanted to ask about uh, stand-up comedy and you being a stand-up comedian. I mean, are you still are you still doing that and is that something that you feel like informs your music? I feel it informs my music in that, I don't know, some people pick up on it and some people don't. Like the songs, especially on With Time, yeah. are, there is a kind of dark sense of humor to some of them. It's not mm-hmm. blatant. It's very subtle. Not everyone picks. It can seem melodramatic if you don't think it's kind of funny. But I do think some of the songs are, are like, I don't know, like OCC, which is a song about the Orlando comedy scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I know it's music. So everybody thinks that that song is about like a music community. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. I mean, and there's no reason that they shouldn't or should, and they can take it however they want. It doesn't matter. Right. But, but it's about the Orlando comedy community it's called OCC and I wrote it out as words but what it really means is the letters OCC which is a Facebook group that stands for Orlando comedy community oh god where elder comics it's a, a private group where they just talk fucking shit about younger comics oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've definitely seen things like that in music and you know the various local music groups uh yeah i don't know that that facebook group exists anymore it's it's sort of imploded it on itself because that's what happens when you become a fucking piece of shit yeah um (laughs) but that's what that song is about and i think that song while it is angry i do think that there is an element of humor to it it's so over the top angry like it's sort of funny i don't know I can see that. So okay, it, yeah. It, it, it informs it in in that sort of way. I'm not really focusing on. Well, so I mean, this was supposed to be, um, uh, uh, a break from comedy. Like I'm gonna do this recording project, and I just won't think about comedy for a while. But then, mm-hmm. but then people, you know, listened to it and gave a shit about it. So then it became like a thing I'm pursuing. And right so i've kind of not been pursuing comedy at all because right now you're kind of like okay uh, i guess i'm doing this yeah like and i do miss comedy and i still go i go to at least the local daytona comedy night you know fairly often and i don't even get up most of the times but it's just like 
I spent so much time with these people, especially the Daytona community, because like people like when I first started doing it, people like made fun of Daytona <laughs> all the time, like Orlando and stuff. Um, the, like, so Orlando, Jacksonville and Melbourne all have really vibrant, cool comedy scenes. And Daytona is like right in the middle of that. And so we're an hour away from all of those places. Okay. I was going to so, ask like how far you were from Orlando. Yeah. So when I first came, Daytona was like <clears throat> very much unto itself and they didn't travel anywhere. And, but they were only, you know, doing an open mic once every two weeks. And I was like, guys, this isn't enough. We got to start driving. So yeah. we would all pile in my van and we would go out three, four nights a week, <clears throat> you know, get up a few times a night and stuff. And so we started making a name for ourselves. And then ultimately like the show that we have here, which is at a bar called Tiernanog <clears throat> celebrating tomorrow, it's 10 year anniversary of doing wow. comedy. Um, <clears throat> has become a place where now people travel to Daytona to get up at the Nog and stuff. So um, <clears throat> I fucking completely forgot where I was going with this. Oh, um, so yeah. So I, but I, those people feel like, uh, I don't know, family to me. So I can't, like, even though I'm not getting up, like, I'm not. Uh, you still, like, want to be there. Yeah, I can't, like, just uh, walk away from, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, comedy, unlike music, in its failures bonds you with people. Okay. <laughs> like when you're a band and a show doesn't go well, you are with your band. And at the end of the day, you can all sit back together and be like, oh, fuck it. Right. This right. is still fun. It doesn't matter. When you're a comedian, you fail alone. Okay. Um, and so that failure alone is, something you come to bond over being like i fucking ate shit tonight and they go you really did nice job right idiot. so like, like no one <laughs> there was no one up there with you but everyone else in the room has probably been there yeah, and so also ate shit plenty been, times. Uh, yeah totally i mean most of comedy is eating shit even when you right. get good at it it still doesn't go well There's, you know like a quarter of the time <laughs> There's someone that I'm, I'm Facebook friends with uh, from, he used to live in New York and, you know, so we knew each other through like the, the music scene around here. And he moved to LA a couple years ago to pursue comedy and like he'll post about how many sets he's done that year. And it's like hundreds and hundreds of sets. Oh, sure. Yeah. And my first two, in my first year I did around 200 sets. And in my second year I did like well over 250, like, that's just kind of how you get good at wow. it is you just go up and you fail and you fail and you fail until yeah. at some point you're like, I'm not failing as much. So when you're going up to something like that, like, are you booked on, you know, a, an open mic in advance or is it like you get there and put your name on a clipboard? There's both of those things. Okay. Um, there's an open mic. That's where you get there. Get there early because you don't want to fucking be the 20th comic. Right. Um, <laughs> and then there's showcase shows, which will be, you know, like maybe 10 comics and you're all doing seven to 10 minutes. And that is pre-booked. And okay. then, you know, there's like comedy club shows, which is where there's a headliner doing an hour. There's right. an opener that does maybe 20 before them. And, you know, and a host that does like five, 10. Like, right. Like MC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, have not been to a I'm, I'm not like familiar with the comedy scene at all so i was just always curious how that 
kind of worked. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such an arduous, awful thing. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and I've never yeah. laughed harder in my life than like times where I'm in the van with a bunch of comedians and we're driving to do you know, uh, like inexplicably driving two fucking hours to do five minutes at the worst open mic in the world. Right. And it seems like that's important. <laughs> right. It's not. There, um, there's, there's like a thrill in that. Cause I mean, I'll say like on my end, you know, I remember not being a comedian, but being, you know, 19. Yeah. I guess I would have been 19 when I started shooting shows and being in Ohio for school and like being like, you know what, I'm going to drive two hours to Toledo to photograph this, like, DIY punk show in Toledo. And it felt like the most important thing in the world at that time. Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's, like, sort of, like, <clears throat> everybody feels like that. There's these things that, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things don't matter, but you kind of convince yourself they matter. And, and it's kind of important that you convince yourself that they matter because yeah. enough of, enough things that don't matter add up to maybe something that does matter yeah no that's that's uh, a great point and you, you you have to i mean to go back to what we've been talking about with screamer you have to convince convince yourself that that shit matters if you're yeah going to have these dreams and want to like actually pursue them right and that you have something of value yeah. to say like especially in comedy and songwriting like being like no i listen yeah. i'm different i'm a little yeah. bit different <laughs> i'm not like the rest yeah yeah and so maybe uh, yeah i guess ultimately to answer your question that's why i picked screamer yeah <laughs> it's a it's a snapshot of like that sort of human need to be heard and and be told that what you're saying is important yeah definitely a, a human need uh so i wanted to go over i wasn't able to find a whole lot of uh reviews that mentioned this song particularly but <laughs> i always bet. i always like to look at what critics have said about you know certain songs like what's come up in interviews and i did find one review from sputnik music i mean to, to put it in perspective you know obvious fact this album came out in the year 2000 and in the year 2000, you know, yes, obviously there was stuff happening online, but it wasn't like you had this incredible amount of music blogs like you do now. So naturally, there's there wasn't like as much online coverage. Uh, totally. As well as, you know, this record was not an incredible critical, er, critical commercial success like The Young and the Hopeless was. So... Yeah, I, I found one review from Sputnik Music. Uh, it looks like kind of a user review that was written in 2006. And they said, basically, they what I noted about this song was they just talked about how much they liked the bass lines. Um, I would hazard a guess that the person who wrote this was a bassist. I don't want to say Probably. they def <laughs> definitely are, but it's like if you're writing like a whole paragraph talking about all the bass lines throughout the album, uh, what they say about the Screamer, the writer says, along with Screamer, the bass drags along the emotion along the verse with the high-pitched guitar. The intro, the emotion keeps on flooding through this song as Joel unleashes some of the best lyrics he has ever written. Very uplifting about when life gets you down, just hold on and you'll get by. What I found interesting about this review, and, and I think, frankly, like, it is not a unique perspective at all, really, is that 
you could really tell that the person writing this review was like really trying to restrain themselves from admitting that they liked a good Charlotte record. <laughs> it is embarrassing yeah. a little bit to, well, yeah, like, well, I don't give a shit anymore. Um, right. I mean, clearly like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if it's just like the Britney Spears thing. If you hold out long enough, eventually it'll fucking be cool. Even if it's yeah. not very cool at the time. Although I did have a big old good Charlotte poster hanging on my wall. that bought the hot topic oh, yeah. um, from this, <laughs> from this era. Um, but yeah, like I'm married and I have children. There's no, there's no amount of anything I could ever do to be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so nothing matters anymore. Right. Because at the end of the day, they'll just be like, you know, at the end of the day, I have a child, a 13 year old son that will look at me and be like, you're the biggest fucking loser. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure when Joel Madden's and Benji Madden's kids, you know, and, and, you know, Paul and Billy's when, when their kids are that age, they, they will turn to their parents and say, you're such a dork. And, and that's what yeah, I was like with my parents when I was 13, you know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And like, I realize now that like my mom is pretty, <laughs> my, my like my mom was into, and had seen live the fucking Runaways. Love and Joan that. Jett was like her favorite musician her whole life and stuff, which was uh, very, in my high school band, side note to that, the year we played Warp Tour was the year that Joan Jett played, and I sent my mom a picture from the Love stage that. watching Joan Jett, and I was just like, look it, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I definitely thought my mom was a loser. <laughs> at the time but now i'm just like actually my mom's kind of cool but that's also like kind of a necessary part of uh you know human development right i mean i remember my dad singing along to the good charlotte cds that i would like blast through their house so loud you know and kind of sounded like he was sort of mocking it but like i even look back on that and i'm like okay he he was like into it and like would support it and my dad is also a musician so i'm like now i'm yeah. like okay that's like my dad's it's like well they have like undeniable pop sensibility oh, from yeah. the gr- from the ground floor like anybody that would listen to the first good charlotte album and be like this is bad i would just be like well then you probably don't like anything that's good because right. it's undeniable to me like and like and it looks like they're having a fucking uh, like when I saw them in 2001, yeah. Like it's it seems almost like they're having like a fucking identity crisis because they're they look like the fucking casualties, yeah. But they're playing pop music essentially, and like right. they're shouting out like from the small stage. I watch them on there, just like yo, Rancid's on in like 30 minutes. Some right. of our biggest influences, and I was just like. Well, you can't fucking hear that influence because you sound like top 40 music. Well, but like like, also Benji and Joel will, will famously tell a story that it was going to see the Beastie Boys that like really pushed them to start a band. Right. And you, and like, I feel, I feel you can hear the fucking Beastie Boys influence more than fucking Rancid. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's such a weird, yeah. Yeah. I've been like, because um, I'm in creative mode at the moment mm-hmm. as we're like demoing <coughs> and and 
doing pre-production for, for our next uh, record, um, I've been analyzing songs so much that I feel like I'm fucking Neo in the Matrix. I'm not hearing I anything. I, I feel like I'm just seeing the code. And yeah. like, I, I keep trying to listen to shit, but I'm not hearing it. I'm just like, cool part, interesting yeah. melody. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I, a little bit about my background, Casey, and, you know, anyone listening has probably heard me talk about this <laughs> several times on the show before. But so I've been a music journalist for actually next week, uh, April 29th, will mark nine years since I started my first blog, but a little longer that I had you know, been sort of trying to figure that out. So, you know, nine years, close to a decade. Um, and there, for the first time, it's been like the past five months or so that I haven't been writing. Like uh-huh. I, I put out the book, spent a little time trying to just, you know, enjoying free time basically. And then sure. now I'm starting this podcast, but um, it, I feel like my brain is still just in critic mode. Yeah. Like everything I listen to, I'm like, ah, this is what the headline of my article about that song will be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of how I like I've been. And and I'm hoping it's not affecting uh, 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 whatever our sound. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't No part of me during with time ever thought about structure Right. or melody i was it was just like cold hard feelings distortion that's yes. it i didn't think about it because and it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning i just assumed oh, no one would hear this yeah. and it didn't matter and it doesn't matter but now i know that people will hear whatever comes out next um, right you know at least a small group of people will anyways like that yeah. i don't fucking know so I mean, how do you feel like that affects you? Is it like the wanting to make something that sounds good or, or does it come out in the lyrics and like what you're willing to express in the lyrics knowing that people are going to hear it? Maybe like, okay. So with time deals with, uh, you know, a number of things, Yeah, a, a handful of things, which is like my mental health, I'll probably never stop writing songs about that because I'll probably yeah. never feel good <laughs> um, <laughs> except for, for brief spurts. Um, and then like stuff with my stepdad, having a real bad time with my stepdad at the time when I wrote that. And that's about it. Like that's kind of what the album is about. And right. like this next album is going to have songs. I, I've written three songs about writing songs. I love that. and like my frustration uh with it and like there is one song on with time about writing songs which is history uh worth repeating um but that one like there was not much there's not much i don't know philosophizing in it it's just me 12 years after having not written a song saying i hope i can still write a song yeah Uh, but now like i'm writing I'm writing songs about writing songs, which is just truly <laughs> insane. It's, it's like, meta. It's very meta. It's very meta. Yeah. But it's just like, it's what I'm feeling at the moment, which is that like writing songs is hard, kind of. Yeah. I, didn't con- I didn't conceptualize that during with time. Those kind of just fell out of me. But now I'm like trying to write songs and I'm thinking about structure and I'm thinking about melody and I'm thinking about lyrics and I'm thinking about the fact that 
<clears throat> you know, people will hear it and it's made for a different kind of sound, but hopefully it still sounds like us and hopefully people still fucking like it. But I guess at the end of the day, uh, you know, in a cavalier way that I probably don't really feel, I'm going to say, uh, I fuck them. I'm doing it for myself. Right. I mean, you have to like, I, I have come to the realization that like, no matter how much public rec- recognition or like how much money I would be making from whatever, you know, creative thing I'm doing, like I have to find some kind of value in the expression, like regardless of the audience or the, you know, financial reward. Otherwise it's like, yeah, just be like a fucking accountant or something, you know? Yeah. Like it's <laughs> what a nightmare life is. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, like, being stuck at home, too, right now during this fucking quarantine is just, like, put me in the weirdest, like, heads. Like, every day I feel a little more surreal and a little more out of touch. Colors yeah. are brighter. Like, <laughs> I'm fucking staying up till three yep. in the morning every day. Oh, my sleep patterns day. are so <laughs> out of whack. I- I'm... I got so for a while I was really good about working out in the mornings like three days a week and then this happened and I kind of I would be like well I can just sleep in because I so I've been working from home for over a month now and like I, I, I work nine to five and I'm hourly um but you know, there, there was like a week or two where I was like, oh, I can just wake up at like 8.30 and roll out of bed at 8.45 and just brush my teeth and kind of drink my coffee while I'm starting my work day. Uh, but I'm like trying th- – this week I've been – I mean, we're only Tuesday, but this week I'm trying to force myself to just get back to that like, okay, you know, continue getting up early to exercise and, and feel like a human. But it's, it's very, very weird. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's very strange. And then, like, my, you know, my kids are going, slowly going insane um, out of boredom and stir craziness. Yeah. And, like, none of them traditionally liked school, but I've had, you know, two of them break down in tears and just be like, oh, I no. just, I want to, I got to go back to school. We right. got to. Have they this had, like, uh, online classes at all? Yeah, yeah. They, we've been doing online school um, in the mornings for like the last three weeks mm-hmm. and my wife is a teacher um, okay. or she's she's a media specialist so she's doing that kind of trying to it's like such a weird system they have set up I don't know I feel like all, my kids are you know very smart and like they're all straight A students and have like an, an innate understanding of the things they're learning but I am like really feeling for like some of the people like my wife is dealing with yeah, because their parents aren't keeping them on track, and they they kind of just honestly don't give a shit. And their kids, you know, like the kids aren't on top of all the things. And I'm just like, God, they, like this is gonna fuck so many people up for the rest of their yeah. lives. <laughs> like this is setting them behind. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, oof. we're we're never for the rest of our lives. We're never not gonna feel the effects of what oh, is yeah. happening right now, which is probably why we're all feeling like a little surreal like walking around like a bunch of fucking bug-eyed zombies not knowing what's going on like no i i think back to like 
my college experience and you know as I had said earlier like I switched my major a few times and like even what I ended up getting my degree in doesn't really relate to what I do now you know (laughs) much like almost anyone right right right, exactly (laughs) exactly um but I think back to college and it's like what I remember is about college aside from like my one history of rock and roll class which was awesome (laughs) and like what pushed me to start writing about music uh, aside from that, like, I don't really remember, like, what I got out of classes so much as just being, you know, ob- obviously was very privileged that I was able to, like, go out of state and live on campus for four years, but just that whole experience, you know, and, and I feel for, like, my younger sister is finishing up, or it's like, this is her last semester, technically. Yeah. Uh, so, Back to uh, back to the song. So yeah, one, yeah, I feel like we have hardly <laughs> talked about screamers. Is this how no, this normally goes? That's that's <laughs> what's what's fun about this podcast is like I'm I'm having so much fun. Like yeah, obviously diving deep into whatever song, but also just getting to have cool conversations. You know, learn about my guest and and sidetrack a lot and everything. Um, but one thing I've had some fun doing is going over the comments from songmeanings.com which (laughs) (laughs) so i this this website you know predates genius and is like you know whereas genius.com will have like official annotations quite often songmeanings.com is almost purely i think or maybe even purely completely fans and it's just fans commenting their interpretations of the song uh so i'll i'll read off two comments so user terry cloth kitten 242 says yeah. sa- right i know i love that username says this song reminds me of an old boyfriend of mine i'm your and and by the way this is all lowercase i'm your typical dreamer and he was always telling me that daydreaming gets you nowhere and i should working to make my life and of course all we did was fight so we eventually broke up and i'm having fun with my life while he's in the hospital with some stress disease i guess life favors the dreamers who travel with the wind (laughs) (laughs) i was like well that got that got deep i mean holy shit imagine (laughs) posting that on the internet and just being like like probably walking away from it and just being like, I fucking said my piece right. <laughs> on songmeanings.com. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like, that is truly insane behavior, but right. also incredibly common. Right. And and also <laughs> like, okay, I, I kinda get it, just wanting to like shout into the void like that, you know. I mean, that is what the internet is for. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, if you go on, like, songmeanings.com and your user is TerryClothKitten242, you know, that's pretty anonymous versus, like, you know, posting on, you know, I mean, this comment was from many years ago before Instagram was a thing, but, like, versus posting on your Instagram story. Sure. But it's just also, like, what, what, I mean, I guess it's just, like, a personal catharsis. Yeah. Like, you're like, all right, I got it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just such a strange way to get it out. Strange anonymous right. way that, like, 
the right. person you're talking about is never going to fucking see this and probably no one you even know. Like, Right. I mean, there is, you know, there's a whole subreddit dedicated. There is off my chest. And I think there's a separate one called like venting or something. <laughs> Sure, but even that has a little more intentionality than right. song meetings. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> commenting, commenting on song meetings.com like that. It's kind of like, okay, <laughs> no one's going to see this. But like a rant, like a ranting subreddit. Like that is purposeful and other people right. are going to see it and, you know, be probably like, be like, yeah, you. I get that. I get yeah, that. I Fuck get you. it. Rant, <laughs> rant it. Yeah, rant it up. But this is just like, like you think, could Terry Cloth Kit never fucking told anybody about this? I I imagine they didn't. <laughs> I imagine they did not. I wonder if Terry Cloth Kitten thinks about this ever. And it's like Right. Like, why did what the fuck? Why did I do this? Right, right. <laughs> right. Why did I why did I do this? Right. And it's probably like it's been, you know, fifteen, I, I don't know, fifteen plus years, almost twenty years since they posted that comment. <laughs> And they probably don't remember the password to this account, so they can't just, like, go and delete, you know, all their old comments and such. I wonder if they even remember it. Like, I wonder if you told them, they might be like, I didn't fucking do that. I'd be like, uh, guess you did. (laughs) Yeah, you did, Terry Cloth. Because I'm sure I've done similar things that I, like, don't remember. Isn't it strange when someone, like, tells you, like, do you remember when you did this and you're just like, no. Right. (laughs) no "Mm, no, that that was not me what do you speak of yeah oh man uh so the other comment that i have pulled comes from user karina kmj so this person was not trying to stay anonymous because i'm guessing her name is karina and her initials are kmj so karina kmj says yeah dreamin apostrophe D-R-E-A-M-I-N apostrophe is fun. And the song sound cool. It was my fave too, but now I think I know what screamer means. And I don't like the meaning uh, in slang. Screamer means someone who makes some noise while doing, you know what? Um, I don't know if that's like, cause I haven't heard that anywhere else that like anyone else saying really that that's like what this is. And I don't want to be like, oh, no, it's definitely not that. Because I, I don't know. I'm not in Joel Madden's head. But I wouldn't say that that's what I got from this song. Yeah, but I guess that's like, you know, the point of a song yeah. in a certain sense is like people are going to take it into their brain and make the meaning what it is to them. And it's, yeah. you know, once you put your art out into the world, like, your idea of what a song means is pretty fucking invalid except for to you Yeah. at that point. Like it doesn't, you know, that's like a, so, you know, that's a good point. I no. guess uh, they can have that yeah. obviously wrong <laughs> opinion. <laughs> well, I, I remember being like being in like ninth grade and taking, you know, being in English class and getting very frustrated because my English teachers in high school would always like, I felt like they would always insist that like their interpretation of the literature was correct. And if you had any other interpretation, then you were wrong. And I was oh like, yeah, dude, I'm taking a class right now. I'm taking um, 
I kind of gone started going back to school. Okay. Um, my wife got her master's and she went to work and um, it was decided that I would become a stay-at-home dad. Um, okay. And also uh, give me, because it, at the point where we made this decision, it seemed like virginity would be doing a lot more things and that I, I should, my wife's very extremely supportive and was just like, you should focus on this more. Um, so, but I started taking classes also because I kind of quit college because we had kids very young, obviously. Right. Um, <clears throat> so she could go um, because she's fucking smarter than me and her interests lie in a field that can definitely make money right. <laughs> and mine don't. <laughs> Um, so I've gone back and I'm taking class online. I'm taking a literature and culture class right now. And like one of the, the last two assignments I've had to do is we're studying Shakespeare and I had to read the merchant of Venice and also Othello. And he wrote out like these long things, breaking down the stories, but putting his own kind of interpretation into a lot of the things. And the assignment was to go through his, uh. <laughs> go through his thing and pick out 12 statements and tell how that helped enhance the story for me like like i'm just going through this man's thing and just being like oh daddy this this helped me this helped me learn better daddy thank you like (laughs) it's so crazy right i mean it's like to me being 14 or so and hearing that it was this very weird thing because I was you know as I had said earlier starting to write on my own just to express myself and and figure things out but then it was like I would go to school and like English was my worst class and these like supposed authorities were like nope you suck (laughs) and I'm just like what (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know clearly I mean writing has since uh, my full-time job isn't writing but it it led to writing very in a very big way led to what is my full-time job in the industry and you know has informed me doing now this podcast right it's all leads towards something everything has its uh even if it's not connected it was a step you had to take to get there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Boy, this has been such a heady fucking conversation <laughs> for such a ridiculous song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as, as we wrap up, I mean, how how do you feel this song has held up for you, Casey? I mean, right now I'm feeling like it's a fucking genius work of art. Because, right. <laughs> because it's... <laughs> It was the launching off point for like one of the most intense philosophical discussions I've ever had about the human (laughs) psyche and need for attention. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, my my psychology degree did get me somewhere then. There we go. Um, Like, but also like, it's just a catchy song. So in that way, like it, it holds up for me. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I looked at, I looked at the tracks on the album and this is the one I picked because yeah. for some re- like some part of some, you know, subconscious part of my brain's like that one rocks. Yeah. Um, and I love the end, like the ending part is so good where they're like, take out the line, 
wake up and don't start screaming. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, it rocks. And they harmonize. Like, oh, that's like another thing that rocks about Good Charlotte <clears throat> that you don't see except for in like a couple bands. Like, I would almost, it's almost akin. And it's so crazy because stylistically they couldn't be more different. Akin to the Abbott Brothers. Okay. No, no one harmonizes with anyone as well as two brothers or yeah. two sisters, like family members, somebody that you were, you deeply harmonize with on not even a, like a singing level, just yeah. as human beings. And like, and it just shines through like Benji and Joel harmonize effortlessly. And I saw yeah. them live. They did it live and it oh, was yeah. perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, there's sort of that deep connection as brothers and singing and stuff. And yeah. And I get that. I feel that same energy from people like the Aver brothers and stuff. Okay. Like you can just hear it and, and they do it masterfully at the end of screamer. Yeah. Now I, I would say what has really held up for me about this song and that I've like really come to appreciate about this song is the fact that it like really captures that exact frame of mind. You have to be to write something like this, you know, that, that, I I can tell that this was a song that was written when they were, you know, I mean, I'm I'm imagining in their bedroom, but you know, who knows? And and just thinking, okay, no one's gonna hear this. Just like fuck it, I just need to like get this off my chest. And like how freeing and cathartic that can really feel. Yeah, I mean, and right, which circles back to the point we've been making the entire time, which is like a song like screamer couldn't be on another good charlotte album because there oh, are people not. seeing and hearing them this ha- this song could only be written for the first album because it's the only album where you could ha- where you could feel this way they know yeah. they're seen and heard now yeah. you know more than more than most people and and like, what we talked about in so you know casey as we're recording this you have not heard this episode because it hasn't come out yet as we we're recording but listeners in last week's episode we talked about with shadow boxer benji initially being a little hesitant to put that song on generation rx which is their most recent record from 2018 uh saying that he was hesitant about you know sharing so much about their upbringing which you know back back in the day on the on this first record i mean that's so much of what this first record is about you know and and then but you know so many years later it's like you realize you have all that attention on you and i think it does make it harder for sure yeah definitely so casey just a few more questions to wrap up what has good charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed or like has that changed so they're definitely like an entry-level band for me like this is really early in my musical development like this is one of the first things yeah. I get into and I didn't keep up with them past this album I certainly bought Young and the Hopeless but I did not like it um okay uh they lost I just remember being a, a young little punk boy a little tiny little boy with a the fucking propeller beanie and a big lollipop with a mohawk <laughs> and <laughs> and hearing fucking lifestyles of the rich and famous and just being like you're fucking on mtv what are you talking about <laughs> this is madness um, <laughs> um 
wait till you hear i just want to live but but this album like it's it's so strange it's not one i revisit a ton Mm -hmm. but when i do i you're like i'm like i'm like god this this is so good it's so good and i honestly think i like it now more than i did even then like i might really a bigger good charlotte fan at least for this record than i was in the past because i I have so much more admiration for them in terms of just being like, even when I didn't think I would have an audience of some kind, I don't know if I would have been uh, as fearless in my, you know, in my cheesiness. Like there's like, it's so free of fucking cynicism. Yeah, um, no, which is, and, I, which and is, I like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like it's a like great thing about this record. So, Casey, do you have any last words about Screamer, about Good Charlotte, about virginity, or about yourself that you want to share? Um, I feel we have tapped Screamer out. Certainly, even though I yeah. feel like we've hardly talked about it, but we did. Um, <laughs> we did, and we talked about a lot. And that's what's the fun of this is like getting to talk about, you know, the stuff that the stuff that they talk about in the songs and how can we have a conversation yeah, out of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, Good Charlotte Rocks, like they're, you know, even though I don't really listen to like the new shit or whatever, I accept them as an undeniably good band because um, well, this album's fucking 20 years old and they're still a band. Yeah. Like, almost no one does that (laughs) like yeah you know their success is undeniable so obviously good charlotte rocks um even if it's not for me a hundred percent yeah um and about uh virginity i don't know um i guess in two days listen to rep it's called death death to the party bad call will have been out for a little while uh, which we made a we made a music video for during quarantine. So, uh, I love that. Um, so we couldn't get together, obviously. So I kind of took it upon myself to make a music video, and me and my wife and children spent literally an entire day making it, and it came out so insanely good. I can't fucking believe we made it in our house. Oh, I can't and, wait to see uh, it. Yeah, it's I'll fu- I'll fucking send it to you now. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's gonna <laughs> it's funny and fucked up and cool. But it's also like it. a thing I'll look back on and just be like, yeah, this was like a family day. Yeah, I love that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's it. Listen, listen to our 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 shit, and uh, I hope that you all like it. Awesome. Casey, thank you so much. Where where can people find uh, you or the band on the internet? What are your socials? Um, we are uh, at Virginity is Rad on Twitter and Instagram, which is where we're most, uh, I don't know, whatever. That's the shit we use the most. We have a Facebook. If you're a Facebook person, you can go like the page. But I'm, I interact on the other things a lot more. Sure, um, yeah. <clears throat> And our website is virginityisrad.com. And that'll take you to anything you could possibly want. 
Awesome. Uh, Ramos. Casey, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Generation GC. You can follow the podcast at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can follow me, Molly, at M. Huddleson, at M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N, on Twitter or Instagram. We talked to you about Screamer today. Next week, we will be back at you with an episode about The Young and the Hopeless, a song from that album. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in.